Shall I just do it like that? Greetings, Northlings, and welcome to Haunted Up North, the paranormal podcast dedicated to the telling of real-life experiences involving ghosts. Mainly, but not always ghosts, from the Northern Territories of the UK. That's too many ghosts. We cannot fight them all. I certainly can't fight them all by myself, which is why I've enlisted my friend Hannah into helping me with this episode. Not that we really want to fight the ghosts, but we do like talking about them and sometimes talking to them, which is what my special guest Hannah and I have been doing of late. Haven't we? Yes. (laughs) Hannah, I'm back. (laughs) Hannah is back and she's been on Haunted Up North before last year? Yes. Or was it the year before last? Does it matter? It was one of the years in which we've been alive. But if you want to hear what Hannah had to say the last time she was on Haunted Up North, and you'd be a fool if you didn't want to hear what she had to say, please have a listen to episode number five entitled Leeds Ghosts with Special Guest. (laughs) The special guest is Hannah. And on there, you can listen to some very spooky tales told by Hannah and learn a little more about her. Unless you want to introduce yourself again. No. (laughs) Have you got any news? Any gossip? No news or gossip, but on my way here, which again, I was blessed with beautiful sunshine. The last time I drove over, it was lovely Ah. as well. So, Ah. yeah, (laughs) I feel very, very, very uh, truly grateful for the weather. Yeah. Um, But yeah. It's not raining for once. It's not raining for once. It's not so grim up north. But yeah, my sat-nav took me a slightly different way and it took me past funnily enough, the location that we're going to be talking about, yes. just by pure accident, well, not by accident from the uh, sat-nav, but me, I came and took the different route. Good. So the topic we are discussing today, which Hannah drove past again today, together, mainly focuses around a paranormal investigation. That's paranormal investigation we recently attended at a location that although I basically live next door to, I had no idea existed until late last year, I think. Had you heard of it, Hannah? No, no, not at all. But it's weird because it's so local, to me, anyway. And it's, well, it's not that far from you. Well, no, it's, it's not at all. And it, it's weird because when you mentioned it, I looked it up and there was quite a bit of stuff on the interwebs about yeah. it. And I was like, how did I not even know about this? Because... As you say, it's it's not really far away, is it? I'm surprised and shocked. But it's especially known mainly amongst the paranormal community. It's the historical Royal Arcade in Keithley, West Yorkshire, a mere stone's throw away from Howarth, about 10 to 15 minutes by car, if that. It's at 77 Worth Way, which is, I think, it's just behind the Airedale Shopping Centre on a road that leads directly to Keithley train station. And for some reason, I've written a big paragraph here <laughs> about Keithley train station. I think I'm a bit obsessed with trains on Haunted Up North. I keep mentioning the fact that I live near the Worth Valley Railway. I think it's because it's such a big tourist attraction. Interestingly enough, as well, or maybe not so, on the evening of said paranormal investigation, I was going to park down near the station and there was um, a big film unit. So yeah, so... It is of interest, clearly, to lots of people because there were lots of film trucks there by the uh, station. I 
couldn't park, so boo, boo to me. Hooray <laughs> to the station for being famous again. I did notice that there was a, a billboard there that said, I think they're filming a four-part series or something like that. There's like a there's like a board that said says closed. But it is, it is a cool railway. It takes you to lots of cool places like Haworth and Oxenhope and Oakworth. It's a steam railway, by the way. I thought I'd make that clear. And it uh, goes to Oakworth Station, which is infamously where much of the railway children was filmed. Both films, both versions of the railway children, old and new, and of course, Haworth featured quite heavily in them both as well. Um, we were lucky enough, me and Martin, to witness some of the filming when they came over last year for that. And the new Emily Bronte film, is that out yet? Mm. Was it just advertised as coming sure, out? Yeah, we know. saw a lot of filming for that. But the, the Worth Valley Railway line, it's had its fair share of Hollywood moments. I'm building up to something here. I'm building Keithley up. Can you tell? Yes. So Peaky Blinders has been filmed in Keithley train station. And it's also hosted productions such as All Creatures Great and Small, Testament of Youth, Brideshead Revisited, Swellers and Amazons, The Great Train Robbery, and BBC's adaptation of the ABC Murders. Oh, that was that was really good. I don't think I watched it. Is it Agatha Christie? It is, yeah. Ah. Very, very good. Last of the Summer Wine has been filmed there. A Touch of Frost also. And Locomotives, in other words, trains. <laughs> I've written here, I want to say, hey, who here loves trains? You know, and the... Uh, Trailer Park Boys, when mm. Sebastian Bach is a, he goes to that train convention because Bubbles loves train conventions. The Swayze train. Yeah, the Swayze train. <laughs> I wanted to say, hey, here, who loves trains? <laughs> is it in a Sebastian Bach voice, but I don't have the confidence for it. Patrick Swayze. Oh. The problem is when you mention a touch of frost. Is I just think of a touch of cloth now. Oh dear. You know, oh no. The, the um. <laughs> The comedy one that was on Sky. Oh, no. I thought you were just randomly thinking that and you no, heard it made you, reminded did you, not, you of... Did you not say that? No, sorry. A touch of cloth. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what do I do Nothing. to watch it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> you might be able to get it on Sky Capture. A touch of cloth. It was a touch of cloth with... Oh, Saran Jones is in it. My grandma loves Saran Jones. Yeah. She might not like that. No. Second <laughs> so yeah. maybe she'll just be like... Saran Jones has gone downhill yeah. if, she, if she watches A Touch of Club. There was a pun on her name in it and I can't remember. So that's half a <laughs> tale. Anyway, I'm waffling. When so. I think of A Touch of Frost, I think of a pincy finger <laughs> touching someone's bottom <laughs> and making it freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, anyway, so the yeah. locomotives, in other words, trains uh, from the Worth Valley Railway line were featured in Pink Floyd's 1982 film, The Wall. The Wall. Come on, Wall. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? I didn't know this, but Keithley itself was the setting for the film Blow Dry. Have you seen it? I don't think I have. I haven't. It stars Josh Hartnett, Alan Rickman, the lovely Alan Rickman, and Bill Nye. The lovely Bill Nye. What? I've all never those, heard of it. All those people have never heard of it. Yeah, I'll read, it. I'll read out what Wikipedia says about it. It says, Blow Dry opens with the announcement that the small town of Keithley will host, <laughs> will host the year 2000 British Hair Championships. Keithley's mayor, in brackets Warren Clark, another big name, mm. is thrilled about the news, but when he announces it to the town's press, they all yawn disapprovingly. 
<laughs> I want to watch it so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's homework. It sounds like a film I would have taped off the telly in the yeah. 90s when I was doing my homework and yeah. watched it repeatedly in the background. You know, like kinky boots. <laughs> yeah. It sounds a bit kinky boots. Yeah, it does. It does. Most of the 2004 film, Yasmin, was shot in Keithley. And the 1950s British movie Between Two Women, <laughs> sounds rude, was filmed in and around the town. And it's mills, because there's lots of mills knocking about in Keithley. Because it used to be quite the place during the industrial ages times. Uh, the 2005 film Jealous God was shot there, as well as the film God's Own County, which is Martin's favourite phrase of all time. He loves it when Yorkshire people describe Yorkshire as God's Own County. TV-wise, the 2004 documentary Edge of the City in the BBC drama North and South was shot in Keithley, with Dalton Mills, which is right next to the train station, being one of the series' main locations. Do you want to know what famous people have lived in Keithley? Yes, please. Molly Sugden. She's from Keithley. Mrs yeah. Slocum from Are You Being Served? Yeah. Tom Moore, Sir Tom Moore, yeah. the Corona captain, who raised millions of pounds for the NHS during lockdown and beyond. Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca. Yeah. Chewbacca. That sounds like a posh <laughs> middle-class version. Chewbacca. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca in the Star Wars films, lived in Keithley for a while. More specifically, Oakworth, which is right next to Keithley. Apparently, he didn't, he wasn't, he's not from here. He's from, I think he's from down south, but he, he visited Keithley and liked it so much that he, he lived never, here. He never left. Well, he just, he didn't, um, I think he just really liked it. Sometimes you just visit somewhere, because Keithley is a very, it's, it's a friendly town. It's um, it's just normal, you know, yeah. kind of, you can have some good chats with people in Keithley that you just randomly meet. It's a, it's a, I think it's a friendly, a really friendly town. Um, but it, yeah, he lived here from um, 1987 till 2000 when he moved to Texas. He visited Texas and liked it so much he lived there. <laughs> uh, Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs was born in Keithley and the band Terrorvision were formed in Keithley. Uh, yes. All these facts, you know, I didn't yeah. know. All, I think I knew about Terrorvision because I, I actually had a tattoo done. Uh, Mark Yates is the lead guitarist of Terrorvision. I had a tattoo done in his tattoo studio and I wouldn't have known that. If I it's not like It's not like a big common knowledge for me anyway. Yeah. I only knew that because I went to his tattoo parlour. I love Terrorvision, and I saw them at Bingley Music Festival. Oh, did you? Yeah, they were Aww. excellent. Someone we used to work with, his brother-in-law is the keyboardist for Terrorvision, but I think he's a new addition. I don't yeah. think he's one of the original ones, but... Well, I can, say, I can certainly say they were great, and yeah. it was the year, if anyone of your listeners went that year, it was quite a few years ago, the Happy Mondays were on, and Sean Ryder had just got his new teeth. <laughs> So they were the headline. He treated everyone to his new, his yeah, new teeth. <laughs> because they were on in the evening and um, his teeth were fluorescing under the lights <laughs> and that new. He basically was like a lighthouse light on stage, Sean Ryder with his teeth. What a difference a tooth makes. <laughs> That's non-ghost related, but... No, it's just have to tell none of this that I've just said is ghost related. It's go it's becoming too long. Yeah. But I do want to say that Kiki D 
Kinky D. Don't go breaking my heart. <laughs> she, she, she's from Bradford is Kiki D. Yeah. Who sung Don't Go Breaking My Heart with Alan yeah. John. But I think she must have lived at Keithley at some point because on Wikipedia it's got her name. But now I think that we're overlapping into different areas. Yeah. The most famous people that have lived in the area is the Bronte sisters who of lived course. in the Howarth. And how miserable they were. I'm sorry. No, it's true. <laughs> the plumbing was atrocious. <sighs> Disgusting. Yeah. But if you'd like to hear more about the ghosts of Haworth and the Bronte sisters, you can listen to my very first episode of Haunted Up North, which talks about the haunted pubs of Haworth. It's not the best delivery by me, as it was my very first one. It's very unevenly spaced, uh, speed-wise, and the background ghost noises are a bit rubbish, but the content's good. There's some quite good things in there. It's not... It was just the first one, so... It, it's not... It's not that good. And apologies for calling the Bronte sisters miserable. But I mean... You know. If I didn't have an indoor toilet, I'd be pretty miserable. But there are lots of things to do in and around the Keithley area, like visit the Bronte Parsonage Museum in Haworth, and if you like that sort of thing, careful now. I'd recommend a visit to Riddlesden Hall, which is an eight-minute drive from Keithley and also very haunted, so look out for an episode dedicated to that sometime in the near future. There's Cliff Castle Museum, which is in Keithley itself, and it's an awesome day out. It's a big Victorian neo-Gothic building built by Christopher Netherwood between 1828 and 1833, designed by George Webster and transformed by the Butterfield family after they bought it in 1848. I think they were quite a prominent family in Keithley during its heyday. It's got lots of pretty gardens too, and entry is free of charge, and I once befriended a peacock there as a child. <laughs> I thought you might have something to say about that, but you didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to think, how, how, what, what could I say to that? I don't know. Like... I had it by the neck. I wasn't hurting it, but I went up to it and just held its neck, and I it was mean, shouting at me, and I was like... Is that, is that befriending or more um, telling it off? I think the peacock would disagree with my term of befriending. <laughs> it was an assault on its... A neck assault. Yes. Peacock Neck Assault. Enough the latest yeah. album by <laughs> me. <laughs> but I've been I've been many times to Cliff Gardens, Cliff Castle Gardens even, since I befriended the peacock, so it's great. It's not just for children, it's for everybody. But yeah, have a look. There's lots of shops and pubs and places to eat in Keithley with some very grand buildings because it was, uh, like Bradford at one point, a rather wealthy place during... I don't know how to refer to the industrial times. I don't know what the years are. But it's weird because you just, when you live in Yorkshire, you just see mills everywhere, chimneys everywhere, old disused chimneys, and you sort of don't see it as a separate part of the past, do you really? Sort of, you can still see it every day. Keithley is just one of those places that's got literally everything you need in order to survive. It's got everything, anything, it's got it. It's got every tiny thing that you need, and it's got a million people who'll do jobs for you. It's just one of those places. It's just brilliant. It's it's lovely, and, and like, coming here going on like the little back streets that I had no idea where I was going, but I was following the sat nav. There's like so many little businesses. Yeah. And stuff. I just think, yeah. It's a great trades place. Yeah, yeah. Pure labour. But if you do fancy a visit to the West Yorkshire market town of Keithley, spelt K-E-I-G-H-L-E-Y, which makes you think it should be pronounced Keeley, but it's not. To give you greater context of where it is, it's eight miles northwest of Bradford city centre, ten and a half miles north of Halifax, Happy Valley Territory. 
and 7.5 miles southeast of Skipton in North Yorkshire. So it sits between the counties of West Yorkshire, North Yorkshire and Lancashire and the Airedale and Keithley Moors. So there's a lot of moorland surrounding it with some spectacular views and rural attractions nearby like Top Withins and the Bronte Waterfalls and things like that. And although it's the second biggest human settlement outside of Bradford, it doesn't feel that big when you're in it and it's still what I'd consider easy enough to find your way around. Yeah, and lots of hills. Lots of hills, lots of cobbles, lots of mills, and lots of ghosts. Yeah. So back to the Royal Arcade, (laughs) which is, I promise you, the subject of this episode. The Royal Arcade is still a working, covered shopping arcade with various cool shops and cafes inside. But um, underneath, there's this hidden network of lower-level Victorian stroke Edwardian rooms. It's old shops and stables that were discovered by workers during renovations to the arcade in 2003. And they were last used in the 1890s before they were discovered and unearthed in the early 2000s but what was particularly amazing about them is that some of the shops had features that were still intact such as wooden shop fronts and stable pens and they even found doors and fittings from some of the original businesses. So we, Hannah and I, went on a paranormal investigation and we saw all of this when we went down, didn't we? And it's not just shop fronts, but fireplaces and staircases and all all sorts of amazing stuff like that. Yeah, it's really interesting because when you first go down, down the stairs, there's like a big open room, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know. (laughs) So... You know, you, you, you get a, you get a feel that you're really, you know, it's big open space, but you even in that space, there was kind of like a fireplace off to one yeah. side and, and it, it kind of went off a little bit. So you instantly felt like, oh, this is quite old. It's not just a big open space. And then further along, I guess it's like a bit of an L shape, that yeah. what, like, what you would class the... Um, the street, because it does feel a bit like a street. Well, it basically is an old street, wasn't yeah. it, that was disposed of to wait, make way for yeah. newer buildings on top. It's like it's yeah. basically like Mary King's Close, isn't it? Yeah. And the Nidri Street vaults in Edinburgh. It is, yeah. So so it's kind of like a little bit of an L shape. So you go along and then down like the long part of the L, I guess. And either side are the shops, which, um, yeah, have different frontages. And then you get to the bottom of the street and then that's when it kind of goes into a like a bit of a labyrinth of rooms really yeah so it's huge it's, it's really because you huge. keep walking and i don't remember yeah. getting to the end of it do no, you no you no. just keep going and eventually you're like i don't i'm too scared to go any further because we yeah. were allowed to walk around by ourselves weren't we yeah. and, I th- and i think like on the the first part which you would class as more of a street with the shops either side that's it's so atmospheric, but when you get further down and you go into the, like, the labyrinth kind of bits, you just, I think I could easily get lost because you, you just lose all sense of like direction because the, it, it really is like there's little corridors and offshoots and stuff. And you think like, how did, how did you negotiate this? I know, yeah. It's, um, very, um, spooky. It's one of the most interesting places I've ever been. Yeah. Because you can see the stuff that they found, the original features. It's all down there still, isn't it? And they've 
the the guy who manages it um I, I think he's called Andy but That's I'm right. not sure what his surname is he's obviously done a great job with it mm. and he's obviously very enthusiastic about it as well and they've, they've done a, a lovely job of bringing certain rooms to life like some of the rooms they haven't done anything with yeah probably to keep them looking spooky maybe <laughs> I don't know but it because it's so big it's a vast job isn't it and like I did I think I read somewhere they were planning maybe to renovate it and make it into something but you know like um Sunbridge Wells and Bradford yes they renovated a lot of I don't it was it old 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 sewers or something mm, Victorian so. sewers they've made that into a great network of bars and stuff yeah. so um, I can imagine that would be great yeah but at the moment it, it's being used for historical tours and paranormal tours and yes. you do have to give money to go down there but how much did was it 20 pounds for us yes but the money all goes to charity it goes yeah. to Yorkshire Air Ambulance doesn't it yeah. and um, it buys various bits for hospitals and stuff yeah. so it's not it's a not-for-profit yeah. making organisation at the moment, is it? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing I found really interesting was that, um, as you say, some of the rooms have been brought to life a little bit more, but the sort of like the labyrinth of rooms, I have to say that because it, re- it really yeah, did feel it like it is. That. You can't describe yeah. it in any other way. You can go through a door and then it's like, oh, <laughs> where do I go? Um, some of those are very empty and just alike. Like there was one that I went in when we just wandered off on our own and uh, it really did feel a little bit Blair Witch Project. Yeah. But I think that's because we had to use torches and because it was cold and it's quite dusty, you can it's like swirling. You yeah. You can see the swirling in, in the in the light, so that's you know, it all added to the um, the atmosphere. But then exploring a bit then there's other rooms that do still have some stuff in like the old the old glass and things so it's kind it's kind of weird going from one room that felt very stark and like oh it feels a bit <laughs> like you're in a dungeon to another one where you can see like the remnants yeah. of the business yeah and the like the etching on the glass and it's like oh I wasn't quite expecting that because you know there's a very stark contrast between the rooms but yeah it was good I saw a toilet down there that looked like it was a 1980s toilet or something because they had been at one point they were used as cellars weren't they there were so I don't know at what point these these, this street was forgotten because it it says they discovered them in the early 2000s but Mm. there was a weird unless it wasn't a 1980s toilet it was more recent and they just utilised it but that was abandoned as well like because uh, the stairs, I think, the, like you say, the stairs going up to the shops, but they're not used now, are they? No. So they were used as cellars at one point, and then just yeah. forgotten about completely. It's weird. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't pretend to understand what the chronology is. No, because they've in the actual street part in one of the shops they've left one of the staircases in. Yeah. So it's quite interesting to see how. It, it would have been so I'm presuming at that at that point in the history that would have been storage for the shop above yeah it goes directly directly above but there must have been or so I gathered from when we had the talk by Andy there was a point where some of underneath were separate entities completely mm. um so yeah or maybe there was a point in history where it was a bit of a mix yeah exactly that's why it's a bit confusing yeah. because it's hard to because there are websites that do detail the chronology, but it's a little bit for mm. my brain. It's a little bit confusing, and I, yeah. I think to someone who'd written that, they're probably just cleverer than me. 
and they already have an understanding of things yeah, already. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of this episode, it doesn't really matter, you know, because no. it was still really spooky. But I, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same because I was trying to have a timeline in my head to understand right yeah. when when was it like this? When was it like that? Because you know we like to separate things out, don't we, as humans? So, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there must have been a, a bit of a crossover period yeah. where. That there were shops because it, it did sound like there were very separate shops under there as well. Yeah. So maybe there was a bit of a mix. Yeah, but it's a very spooky time capsule. There's um, I, did, I, I had a look online and it said um, there's a there's an old overlooker's room in there, a washroom with original basins, a spiv's room. What's a spiv? A spiv. <laughs> it sounds like a. It sounds like a derogatory term. <laughs> a spiv is a term some people use for a flashy black market trader. Oh. So so I he had yeah. a room apparently. On the fools and horses type. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like a Del Boy room. Yeah. So there's a Del Boy room. Yeah. A saddlery. Or is it a saddlery? A saddlery, isn't it? Yeah. A saddlery. A delicatessen. <laughs> Office. A charity shop for the needy. And a brothel. Of course. Obviously, you've got to have a brothel. It's the, it's the oldest um, business ever, isn't it? Yeah. So of course it's going <laughs> to have a place. Dirty business. Yes. So unsurprisingly, because it's a, an old street, an old forgotten street that was built on top of, it's a hot spot for paranormal investigators because there are rumours of various ghosts and hauntings going on down there. Ooh, I ran out of breath for my Sorry. sentence then. Uh, there's lots of YouTube channels. <laughs> there's lots channels. of... <laughs> I'm just going to leave that bit in. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of YouTube channels dedicated to this haunted space. There's a number of paranormal groups that have investigated it, but the group who led our investigation that we went on are called Paranormal Encounters UK. You can find them on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Their YouTube handle is Paranormal Encounters UK. Instagram is Paranormal underscore Encounters underscore UK. And Facebook, I'm not on Facebook, but I presume you just type in Paranormal Encounters UK into the search bar and they'll come up for you. I'll, of course, add the links to all of this information in the source material for this episode, but they have a lot of followers, and it's co-run by our friend Lindsay, isn't it? It is. Unfortunately, Lindsay couldn't be here today as she's got... uh, (laughs) It's of no relevance to anybody. She's got childcare commitments, but she will appear on another Haunted Up North episode soon as I'll be attending another investigation of hers in the next couple of months. So I'll try and organise myself better next time and warn her in advance of when I'm thinking of recording an episode instead of the week before. But she has recorded for us a voice note explaining a little bit about herself and the nature of the work Paranormal Encounters UK undertake. So here it is for your listening pleasure, and I'll play it for you now. Hi, my name's Lindsay. I'm a paranormal investigator based in the Northwest, and I work with a team called Paranormal Encounters UK. The team and I investigate reportedly haunted locations throughout the Northwest and further afield one of which is the Royal Arcade in Keyfley, which we have been to quite a few times. Others that we have visited include a manor house, a couple of manor houses actually. Uh, We've been to some old barracks. We have been to some old hospitals. We've been all over the place and we have lots of other things planned in the future. 
How we work as a team is we set up static cameras, we have handheld cameras, we use digital recorders to try and capture EVPs, we have things called REM pods and thermal cams, we use light triggers to find evidence of things which may be paranormal. We do do a lot of debunking, so a lot of the things you actually see on camera are light flares off speckles of dust, or it might be a cobweb, or it could just be the lens flare off your camera. So it's really interesting when we do find something that is really unexplainable, it's very exciting because 99% of the time, what you find is that it is a bit of dust flying across your camera. One of the members of the team who I work really close with is Jane Yigit. She is a medium who I met about 10 years ago when I went for a private reading and she blew my socks off. She's very, very good at what she does. When I joined Paranormal Encounters UK, there wasn't a medium on the team and I thought it would be really interesting to cover it from that angle as well as the scientific angle. So I got in touch with Jane. I asked her if she'd be interested and she joined us. Since then, we've built up quite a close friendship and we were interested in doing events. So Victoria, who hosts this podcast, asked if I would organise one for herself and a few colleagues to go to the Royal Arcade in Keefler. And that's what we did. And Jane and I are also planning some more this year, the first of which is called the Watermillock in Bolton. It's actually a carvery at the minute, but it's reported they're very haunted. They do have investigations quite regularly there with other teams, but this is the first time we will be going. My team, Paranormal Encounters UK, do really want to go here. So Jane and myself going will be a good pre-run for this as well. So the building itself was a hospital for pilots during World War I, and it's also been um, a centre for Spanish refugee children, I believe. So it's going to be super interesting, really excited. In terms of the Royal Arcade, activity that myself and my team have had there previously includes a lot of voice phenomenons on EVPs. We've had bangs, taps. I've been tapped on the shoulder when all my team was stood in front of me, which did spook me quite a lot. There is a lot of dust down there, so you do need to be careful on your cameras if what you're actually looking at is dust flying around or if it is a light anomaly. It's very interesting. Either way, we've been now twice and we are booking to go again as a team because we do find it a really intriguing place. The first time we went was very active. The second time, very, very quiet. And then the third time I went was with Victoria and the rest of the guys and it was quite active again. So we will be booking to go back there. If you get a chance to go to the Royal Arcade and go down into the cellar, it's worth it, definitely, from a paranormal point of view. Personally, I've always had a huge interest in the paranormal since being quite small. I've not had any experiences where I have seen a spirit stood in front of me. Not sure how I'd react to that, but I have definitely had the feeling where I'm not alone at times. I feel like I've been visited by relatives through things like smells that remind me of them or disembodied voices. I've heard that kind of thing as well, personally. I have a huge interest in paranormal TV programs. I absolutely love watching them. I've watched them since my early teens with my dad, who has also got a big interest in the paranormal. And my dad actually helps us watch many of the hours of footage that we record for Paranormal Encounters UK. And because sometimes the cameras are left running and we can have maybe 10 hours of footage to watch and see if anything comes up. So he's a huge help with that. 
some of my favourite shows out there at the minute are Kindred Spirits. I've always loved Amy and Adam on that. Ghost Adventures, that's a really popular one. They're all American-based at the minute, so we do need a little bit more UK teams out there. Um, Help My House is Haunted with Barry Guy, that's a cracking one as well. Um, so that's enough plugging of TV shows, but that is what sparked my interest in actually going out there and doing it myself and seeing if I could really find anything to cement in my head that there is an afterlife and you can communicate with loved ones. I do believe that you've got all this energy as a person, as a living being, that the energy can't just disappear. And there are a lot of theories out there around these experiences that people have actually been energy, whether it's time stamps of things and residual hauntings where an occurrence might just rehappen over and over again, or whether it's an intelligent haunting where you can communicate with them and get intelligent responses back to your questions. That always blows my mind when I see that or if I experience that. And probably the last thing to mention is I do have a big interest in the spiritual side of the paranormal in things like healing. I've had Reiki many times through a friend of mine and it has made a massive difference to me. Jane and some of her colleagues at the Spiritualist Church in Bolton, I've been to a couple of events that they've done where just to try and open up your psychic abilities and your awareness of what is out there. And I'm a real strong believer in that there is something out there. I believe through tools such as meditation, you can really calm your own spirit and protect yourself from negative energies. Um, Some people, and I know a lot of my paranormal investigation team really don't believe in this kind of thing, but it's a personal choice at the end of the day. I do. Jane very much does. That is who she is. And we have got that in common. So I'm learning. I'm trying to understand my own energies, how I react in situations, how I react to fear is a really big one being in the field that I'm in. And I'm looking forward to any future experiences that I may have from a paranormal point of view or from a spiritual point of view. She's just, she just did that, you know, she did it in five minutes. She's so articulate and like, I can barely read a flipping thing out when I've got it on the thing. So Lindsay and Jane were amazing, I thought. I had such an amazing night with uh, Paranormal Encounters UK. Have you been on an investigation before, like a paranormal investigation? Um, Not an investigation. I've I've done like like a ghost night, but not not like anything like that. I thought it was... I thought it was a really good atmosphere. You know, Lindsay's great. Yeah. She's really, really good. And I thought, and obviously Jane was too, but I think it was a really good mix of people as well because you had the full spectrum of people there, really. You've got your non, like proper non believers to, um, you know, healthy skeptics to, um, you know, your full blown I believe in everything yeah and I thought that was that was actually really good mix to have definitely to give you a really good experience I mean I would say I'm probably healthy skeptic but I'm I'm open-minded as well but yeah very welcoming definitely um interesting evening really you know yeah because it was about it wasn't no one was there to prove a point, were they? It exactly. was just, yeah. let's go to this interesting place. 
and see what we find. Yeah. And like I said before, we were allowed to wander around by ourselves as well, just to see how we felt about it as individuals as well. And just because it's interesting to go down there. And I also felt like I felt this when I've been on a paranormal investigation before. There wasn't any pressure to, I'm very bad at, you know, when people try and talk to the spirits and try and get a response out of them. Uh, there was no pressure for anyone to do that. You could go as an observer if you wanted. And I felt that I was going as, I don't know what I was going as. Not necessarily, I wasn't going to say hello, uh, speak to the spirits just because I'm not. I just don't feel comfortable doing that, really. I'm not a paranormal investigator, so I was there as a... Observer, really. Well, yeah, yeah. but and not as an outsider either. No. Just kind of like, it, you know, it was something that I wanted to experience without the pressure of being forced to be involved in, involved in certain aspects that I didn't want to be involved in. And I felt there was literally no pressure from anybody. And I felt that anybody who did want to speak... Lindsay and Jane encouraged you to have your own voice as well. Yeah. They just kind of led it and they delivered it in such a structured but comfortable manner. I think the nice thing about it was, um, as well, as Lindsay said, you know, they've been there before where it's been very active and then it's not been active. They were were very good at not setting expectations in in as far as the expectation was we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So um, let's just let's just enjoy the evening and, and that's it really, which is great because, you know, there could have been, oh, well, it feels a bit forced and you, you're looking at things that are not really there, which it didn't feel like that. Not at all, no. And um, I really like the structure. Sorry, I don't want to ruin it for anyone that is thinking about going, but the way it was structured... Um, was really nice because we kind of started off as a group to see if anything, you know, there was going to be any activity because sometimes, so Jane says, that helps. Yeah. With, you know, with the amount of people there, it encourages, like, if anyone or anything wants to interact with the group and be heard, that, that might encourage them um, if there is anything. But also, so we went from room to room to kind of, see if that if that was the case and then as you touched on earlier we we then got the opportunity to wander off but what was lovely is you could you could go and ask questions to Jane or Lindsay yeah you know they were just very very open and it was just a very welcoming no pressure environment which was great you know I'm definitely going to go on the next one the next one's in Bolton what did what was the name of the place the water millock that's what it's called yes so it's a an old it's like an old manor house. Yeah, I mean, I looked it up. It, it looks incredible. Yeah, I'm excited, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely going on that one, and uh, so I'll be able to report back. Yes. <laughs> but we we went with quite a good group, like you say. Yeah. So we went with it was you and your husband yes. Paul. Yes. Do you want his name to be on here? Yeah. Good. <laughs> Does Paul want his name to be on here? Well, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> uh, so my partner Martin, who's been on here before, and our friend Jess and her partner, and another of our friends, Nick Steele, who's been on here before. Yes. Episode 17 called Imaginary Friends, if anyone wants to look back and listen. And before we attended... Oh, sorry, there were other people there as yeah, well. It wasn't just people. us. It was part of um, Paranormal Encounters UK. I think there were a couple of team members of that and some of Jane's... Some of Jane's friends were there. I'm not sure if yeah. they were part of the group or not. Because there was a cu- there was a couple there as well. And yeah. I think yeah. they were separate to it as well. So, yeah. A, a good, healthy party of interested people. Yes. 
So I, all, I just I had a quick look online. I mean, Lindsay did talk about a lot of things while we were in there. She's obviously told us a lot about the place just from that voice note that she sent. But I had a look online as well just to see what other spooky things people have experienced in there. Like I said, there's loads of paranormal groups that have been in there. And you can probably look online and find out loads of stuff. There's probably loads of YouTube videos. I would go to Paranormal Encounters UK first just to, don't know. I'll tell you one thing because... <laughs> One thing I found very interesting is um, some of the tools that, that they used that Lindsay touched on. I mean, they didn't use all of the tools that she mentioned, I don't, I don't believe anyway, because she listed quite a few. But um, the, the, the thing that fascinated me was the bear. So the, oh, yeah, the light-up bear. The light-up bear, which is essentially a teddy bear that its belly lights up if, yeah. if it's touched. So it's like a sensory thing, but which I thought was like just like a kid's sensory toy. But, I did, but no, it's it's an actual like uh, paranormal investigator's tool. Yeah. Um, but that was that was quite interesting because I thought it was just a bear someone had got from home. I thought, oh, oh yeah. this is quite a good thing. So at the beginning, when Jane said, "Oh, we'll, you know, here are some of the things that we're going to use," and she's like, "Oh, there's the then the, there's this bear," and I was like, "Oh." It's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't think I was going to see a teddy bear on. on no, I didn't know it lit up either. I thought no, they just no. brought it along yeah, yeah. for a uh, ghost children to play with, <laughs> yeah. which is what it, it essentially it's for, isn't it? It's to entice younger energies to interact with it, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it's kind of like a, I guess it's like a tool to show that there's something or somebody there. Yeah. But um, yeah, initially nothing happened, but then. I think it was in the second room we went in, Jane picked up a presence and uh, she did say if there's if there's anybody that wants to show themselves, please, you know, very politely ask them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got a really calm voice, She's very, very she? calm. I was like, <laughs> if I was a ghost, I'd, I'd go, oh, all right. Then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're very polite. So, um, yeah. And so when the bears, the bears did light up yeah. and that was a bit, like and she was like, oh yeah. Well, there apparently are quite there. Are, there's a couple of notable ghosts that apparently live in this underground street below Keithley Royal Arcade. There's a ghost called Billy who apparently worked in the saddlery and died after falling down some stairs. Mm-hmm. And we've, we, if this is true, well, then we've seen the stairs that he yeah. fell down. Yeah, because that, those that's one of the shops that they've left the stairs in. So yeah, and an, an article in the Telegraph and Argus, which is a, a there's a Bradford-based newspaper yeah. in it. Yeah. it. It's got a quote from a guy named Andrew Pearson, who I'm not sure if that's the man. I don't. I'm not sure if that's Andy who manages the place. Yeah, or if this is a different person. I'm not sure if it's the same person. Um, but this this quote from this article in the TNA from Andrew Pearson, he says, this is how he describes Billy, Billy was a drunk and unpopular. On one tour, Billy attacked an elderly lady and the paranormal people get a lot from him. He likes to mess with the ladies. Mm. And Martin and Nick actually had an experience in the salary and Martin's going to tell us a little bit about what he experienced now. What have we been talking about? We're going to talk to you now. Yeah, no, but what have you been talking about? Just Keith Royal Arcade, isn't it? Apparently. We've been... We... I'm sorry. Oh! We... <laughs> I'll tell you. 
We, I was just going through some of the ghosts that are reported to haunt the underground labyrinth of the mm. Keithley Arcade, and we were talking about a ghost called Billy. He worked in the salary, but he, he fell down some stairs, and that's how he died. In the saddlery? Well, we don't know if it was in the saddlery, but the room that is the saddlery, which is decorated... <laughs> your husband, Paul, <laughs> I think he was trying to antagonise the spirits. He said... <laughs> This is the most rubbish tap room I've ever seen. He didn't do it in that voice. Sorry, Paul, if you're listening. You didn't do it. Why did I do it like that? It's fine. <laughs> That's thing- how I would say it if I was trying to antagonise the ghost. But the thing is, if Billy, it, you know, did pass away in that room and he was yeah. a raging alcoholic. And unpopular. And unpopular. Billy no mates, some may say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, then that would antagonise him saying this is a rubbish tap room. Yeah. Because he liked well, yeah. the tapping. Tack. <laughs> Not the tack. Oh, tack room. It didn't sell beer. It sold oh, horse material. Oh, of course. I'm thinking he was making a joke about No, tack is an unusual term. I think I only recently realised what tack meant. Oh. I used to have two friends in, at school that were really into horses, and they'd talk about tack all the time. And I thought it was some kind of horse chewing gum. I thought he was on, meaning beer. Oh, well, there you go. It's just because I automatically think that Paul's thinking about beer. Well, no, I just, I, no, I just said he was drunk as yeah. well. But the, this room, the saddlery, it had loads of horse things, it like did. saddles and bits of leather and stuff like that. And tools. And, and tools. And in this room, when I went in this room, that was my... I hadn't, I'll talk about an experience I had later on in a different room, that this room, I did not like this room whatsoever. It was very, it was, it, it was very dusty down there, but it was closer. It felt like an atmosphere vacuum or something very heavy was in there. Mm, yeah. And there might be some reason, a scientific reason, to explain why that mm. is. But that was the room I felt quite scared in. Mm. And when you went in that room with Nick by yourselves, mm. you had an experience, didn't you? That yes. wasn't entirely good. No, because it was a strange, like you say, it was a strange room. Kind of halfway down the corridor, wasn't it? Sandwiched in between other rooms. And for some weird reason, we never went in, did we? As part of the tour, they never yeah, took us in there. That's true, yeah. We didn't uh, go in as a group. Yeah, and it was only at the end when I think me and you went in, didn't we? Because there was some unusual looking things on the walls, like the saddles and tools and stuff. So we thought, let's have a look in there then. Yeah, it did have a really weird, close atmosphere. But then um, when we were just all wandering around ourselves, I mentioned it to Nick and said, have you been in the, that room, the middle one, halfway down the corridor? And Nick said he hadn't been in. So we walked down and had a look in and there was a strange, like a, I don't know, like a cabinet or something. It was like a sideboard or something, what was that mm. cabinet? It looked like a little, yeah, like a sideboard. It had yeah. candles on it. So yeah. there'd been maybe... I think they have like seances in there by the yeah. seance again. Things. Maybe that's where they get most of the activity from seances because mm. we didn't do a seance, did we? No. And I, I'm glad because I don't, I don't, I don't do them. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was. I don't really either. I don't make a habit of it. <laughs> and then, yeah. So anyway, me and Nick were looking around this room. We walked over to this. It was almost set up like a desk, wasn't it, at the far end of the room? So you had to go right in the room to kind of go close to it. It was almost set up like a desk as if someone would be sat behind it and against the back wall. And then we were just chatting and we were in the kind of, as you face in the room, we were in the far right corner, furthest from the door. Yeah, there was a, a noise, like a, it was like a crack, as if either something had been, like something heavy, like a stone, 
uh, but not like a pebble, something bigger, like a handful of something, you know. There was a crack in the corner, like a really loud, not a bang, but, you know, as if someone had dropped a rock. And then when we looked, it was just really odd because we, we both looked at each other and then I was like, what on earth was that? And then we looked and there was like a quite a big stone, you know, fitting up on my hand in the, in the corner, about a metre from where we were stood, if that. So it was just really weird because we, we were chatting at the time saying this, this room's really eerie. Mm-hmm. And then Nick was mentioned that the, the desk thing, the sideboard, he said, yeah, it smells like that's kind of, it's maybe rotten or something, which might be a reason why the room was a bit and now a strange atmosphere from my current view. But yeah, so there was, and then literally as we were chatting about that, there was this big bang, and either something was thrown, because we didn't see it actually land, it was just a, you know, it was so close that you'd think you would see it land. So it was either something was thrown, or something had fallen off the, the ceiling. Yeah. Like a bit of, I don't know, cement or an old bit of brickwork or something. But that would, that was just really strange, because it, to happen at that time if it was that if it was something falling off the ceiling I mean it could be just a coincidence but it's weird because I saw that stone and it, it didn't have any debris around it like it had fallen so it's and it didn't seem from what you said about the noise it didn't seem heavy enough to make a big noise because you presumed it was that didn't you because you were like well what else could well, it yeah, be we locked but you don't know it could have been a bang you know it yeah, could have been something been making a bang yeah but it could have been that but it was just it was weird like it i, I just i mean a, a, a paranormal bang i don't mean just a normal yeah, bang let's see what you say yeah because like but the rock bit if, if it was that um stone that fell like because obviously billy fell down some stairs you don't know whether it could be connected to you know falling mm. from a height or something or yeah it could have been it could have been something you don't know what he brought with him when he fell he could have mm. you know debris could have fallen with him as he fell or it's just yeah. odd isn't it how that happened to you in the celery where and that's that's the room that had the stairs as well yeah they were still intact yeah, so it was really, um, yeah, really strange just for it to happen at that time when we were in, and it was really eerie. Like, Nick was a bit shook as well as I just, you know, not overly so, but just like that was the, because yeah. I didn't really have a, any other paranormal experience. It was, it was obviously eerie, and, you know, mm-hmm. you can imagine the big things happening, but it was just yeah. the, the strange thing that happened at the end of the night. Because he was affected by it, I think. I think he was a bit shaken because Nick mm. is Nick's very interested in the paranormal, but mm. he's kind of he's open minded either way. He's like a healthy skeptic. Yeah. And he's he doesn't he he would never say the paranormal doesn't exist. But at the same time he doesn't believe everything he hears or sees. But he was visibly shaken up by that. But I actually have sorry, a little bit I'm oh, sorry, pardon? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I actually have a little voice note from Nick to play about his experience on that night. And no doubt in this voice note, he'll, he'll mention this experience as well. So I'll just play that for you now as well. Hi, uh, this is Nick Steele talking about my experiences at the Keefley Royal Arcade Hidden Basement Shopping Street. I think that's what it was. Um, so yeah, um, overall, I would say that I was sort of disappointedly not scared for the majority of the visit, but there were a couple of highlights, um, of pretty strange events that happened that I'm stretching to find explanations for, or at least good explanations for. Now, there was a moment, mm, sort of halfway into our visit where we went into 
a very dark room behind uh, the old washroom and a fairly sort of unremarkable room, big concrete wall at one end, uh, red bricks on either side and nothing else much in there apart from the people that we were with. And there was a moment when we stood around, there were a bunch of tools on the floor for detecting activity and um, electromagnetic interference and whatnot. And out of the blue, we, well, I had noticed, I heard some quite, quite loud footsteps overhead and, uh, well, I sort of interrupted somebody else talking and said, well, did anybody else hear those footsteps? And yeah, sure enough, most people heard them. But at the time I was thinking, well, you know, this basement is beneath some apartment blocks, um, some apartment, apartments rather, um, and sound can travel and, you know, it's probably just somebody up on high. But then when I had a chance later on to look at the layout and the maps, of the Royal Arcade, well, directly above us was where the shops currently are. And there, there wasn't anyone in there, as far as I knew. There wasn't anyone in those shops. That, there wouldn't have been any reason to be. And even if there was, well, it was distinctively the sound of feet on a wooden floor, like banging on a wooden on, on a wooden floor, that sort of sound, which the ceiling above us definitely, definitely wasn't. It was pretty solid concrete. So that was an unusual moment. Um, then... There was one, I'm assuming Victoria is going to talk about this. There was a moment when we were towards the backs of the basements when she felt really warm and uncomfortable all of a sudden. Now, obviously, those of us that are Victoria's friends that were with her, we, we were worried and we went with her to go and get some air and get out of this stank basement for a little while. But Martin and myself, the thing that we noticed at that very moment when Victoria was feeling a bit overwhelmed. We we felt really cold. I mean, it was cold down there anyway, undeniably cold, but we, particularly in that moment, felt much colder than we had probably for the rest of the tour that we had. And, and that was, I don't know, there, there was an unusual uncanny feeling in that room. Um, now, whether it's because some of the some of the stories were getting a bit intense and overwhelming at that point, or because, I don't know, maybe there was a bit of a breeze, but it is strange that different people among us responded differently to being in that space. Um, I, I would say that I had sort of a general feeling of uneasiness in there. That was unusual. Now, the whole basements themselves were, I suppose, a little bit unsettling, mo- mostly because now I, I, I don't like the idea of leaving something pitch black behind me. So, you know, if you're walking through a deep tunnel or a basement, so I don't like being the person at the back with the unknown in the darkness behind me. Um, so that's explains some of how the moments when I felt most uneasy, but I mean, sort of flip around my torch and have a look around. And I was more curious to see what was down there. And this really strange abandoned shopping street that's just there frozen partially in time with glass windows and doors with some numbers on and paraphernalia from blacksmiths and whatnot. So I was really fascinated to try and figure out more about the place, but there's not a great amount of information. One thing that I do know is part of that underground street, one of the, I don't want to say shops because they're not really shops. One of the, one of the sub buildings was a saddlery. No, I hadn't been in that room and I was talking to Martin about it towards the end of the tour. And he said, oh, you, 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 We've, you know, we've got to go in there because it's a bit weird and it's the room that I probably felt the most uncomfortable in. 
he described it as, well, there's a big wooden table in there. And as I approached the table, I felt a bit unusual in there. So I thought, well, yeah, I'm not going to miss out. I'm not going to leave this place having not seen everything. So um, we went along to that room and walked up towards this big wooden table. On either side of the wall, you know, they've put some, I don't, what, I don't know what they are, horsey things on the wall from Victorian, maybe Edwardian era, very, very old equipment. And yeah, I mean, sure enough, yes, it did feel a bit unusual in that room. Now, you've got to remember, it's apart from the torches we were using, absolutely pitch black in this place. So there's a sort of clawing darkness that just wraps around you and you're in this little bubble of light from your torches. Now, as we approach the table, yeah, I, I did feel a bit weird. Now, I'm not sure if this is the power of suggestion or because you could very definitely smell the weird smell of the woodwork from that table. But the, the thing that occurred that was the most strange is as we approached that table, um, our torches were being a bit funny. They were sort of working or not working, but there was a really loud bang right next to where I was stood in that room. <laughs> it really it really made me jump. Um, and it made Martin jump a little bit too. And we had sort of a moment where we were, whoa, okay, <laughs> what on earth was that? And sort of having a bit of an inspection around with the torches afterwards. The, the, the only thing we could see in the room that it possibly could have been was there was a fairly, a fairly decent sized chunk of rock or concrete rubble or I don't know what it was really. I didn't really want to hang around too long to find out that much, but it was a probably sort of four or five inches across and about, you know, about another five, six inches long. So quite, quite a big chunk of material. Um, I had a quick look around to see where it could have come from. It didn't seem to match the material in the room, but, you know, sceptic that I am, I find that one hard to explain because there was nobody else really near us. It was a fairly big chunk of material to lob. And I don't know where it came from, but I do know that according to the tales and the mystery and the lore of that particular room that I believe there's... a People have mentioned the ghost of a man called Billy, who was a bit of an unpopular um, alcoholic in the time that he was alive and likes to mess with people's minds when they go down in the basement. It could have been him. I don't know. It was very unnerving and unusual that it was, I mean, right towards the end of our visit to these basements, just before we were about to decide to leave. Um, and that big event just occurred in the moment. So yeah, that was a... Uh, Certainly something to remember. I won't, I won't forget them for that one for a while. It was brilliantly interesting, spooky at times, but most of all fascinating. I'd probably go back down again uh, on a different a different occasion um, to see if I felt any difference, to see if uh, other people felt different with us. So yeah, um, thanks again, Victoria, for taking me down to a cold, scary, abandoned basement in uh, the centre of Keefley. I loved it. It was great. Cheers. I think the 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 other standout of the evening was when we were in one of the rooms as a group and we heard some footsteps. Oh yeah, that was really good. I think that was in the washroom, wasn't it? That was in the washroom, and this, that, I think that was the room that seemed to have the most activity going on, as far as like the bear lighting up and yeah and things and and various other tools that the that the guys had they had that um what do you call it that app where i think it's it's called an sls camera where oh. it detects humanoid presences and maps out the like a scary stick a scary <laughs> yes. green 
stick figure on screen. People listening who are into the paranormal, into paranormal TV shows will have seen it already. But yeah, there was quite a bit of that on the floor, mm. wasn't there? There was like a figure on the floor. This mm. app was detecting this figure and it was setting the bear off. But then the footsteps came. Yeah. So mm. there was there was a voice app as well that was oh, set yeah. off as well. But all those are like electrical things that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that they're not legitimate, but as far as like a physical non-electrical um, thing, at the time of that, then we heard footsteps twice, I think. I think it was both. three. Well, we were drawn to yeah. that room anyway, weren't we? Yeah. Initially, because there was a noise there. Mm-hmm. So Jane was calling out to any energies present. And then we heard a noise, didn't we, from the mm-hmm. washroom. Mm-hmm. So we all went to the washroom. Yeah. And the bear was being set off. Mm-hmm. There was a stick figure. Mm-hmm. But then above, there were three... I thought there was three separate mm-hmm. the footprints. Yeah. There were, uh, not footprints, footsteps. There was a set of heavy footsteps that mm-hmm. sounded like they were walking across the floor above. Mm-hmm. And then the second set were like a lady's heels, weren't they, or something? Yeah. And then the third was the heavy footsteps again. I think I've remembered that correctly, but yeah. I'm not sure. Either way, there yeah. was more than one set of footsteps. And above the washroom, that's where the arcade shops are. Yes. And we asked the guy, Andy, who's the manager of the place, if anyone had been up there while yeah. we were down there. And he was adamant that all the shops had been locked up. There was no yeah. one, nobody in the shops. Well, the main entrance was locked, wasn't it? Yeah, well, was but there were no, there was no, none of the shopkeepers were there oh, either. Yeah, and it was late at night, wasn't it? And it was yeah, just yeah. one, and you would expect there to be more noise from footprints if someone was wandering around the shop, but it was just one path of footprints, then it stopped. Uh, why do I keep saying footprints? <laughs> Footsteps, and then it stopped. It did seem to be quite well-timed as well. It yeah. wasn't like, oh, this oh you can hear footsteps and mm. then it, it was when questions were being asked yeah then we heard the footsteps but yeah as as you said martin like the the actual arcade you couldn't no members of the public could get in because there's like a, a gate on the front and that was you know you, you just can't get in so yeah so that was that's like the most bonified physical thing that happened yeah which was quite interesting well apart from the rock as well so that's two things yeah well no that was as a group wasn't it and it was in response to jane's yeah interactions or questions but i think that's i I forgot about that because yes there were two parts to that room and the reason why we went in the back was because we heard yeah and there was a definitely a noise it wasn't just like a little yeah like so that's why we moved, we moved backwards into... Is your stomach growling? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So we went to the brothel area as well, didn't we? Mm. It's not a working brothel anymore, but in the brothel area where a, there, was a, there was a supposed murder that was said to have taken place in there, and the manager Andy told us that when it was a working brothel, a young girl was murdered there when she tried to... Uh, I'm not sure what the story was. I think she she tried to get her mother to leave. Yeah, for some her mother what, who was reason, she yeah. was soliciting there as a sex worker and she was trying to make her come home or something. Mm. The mother strangled the daughter and killed her. And Lindsay told us that there's she's not denying that happened, but she mm. couldn't find any historical record of that happening. Mm. But obviously, mm. there's some information mm. that's been passed down where that 
apparently did happen. But in the brothel, ghost-wise, it seems that men are the target in the brothel area of the underground arcade. And in the same TNA article that I mentioned before, Andrew Pearson says, the women in there like to, in quotes, play with male visitors, and men have been touched and scratched. Were you touched or scratched, Martin? No, but um, it was a strange little area, wasn't it? Yeah, there was quite a lot of boo-buddy activity in there, wasn't there, with the bear? Yeah, the bear was kicking off. Yeah, it was. And and it was just a strange layout, wasn't it? It was was quite enclosed, and there was that strange little room out the Mm. back. That was the start of the big labyrinthy bit, wasn't it? The brothel seemed to be the entryway into a little maze, a little mm. dark maze of narrowed passages. Yeah, mm. and some of it was still closed off, so there's more under there, isn't there? Yeah. We didn't get to see. Because we were just yeah. saying earlier that we didn't get to the end of no. the labyrinth because it just seemed to go on forever, and at some point yeah. you had to turn back. Yeah. You're like, I don't know where I'm going in this. But there was the SLS camera was picking up a figure in the corner, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. As though someone had been chained to the wall or something like yeah. that. Or was just stand- I don't know why I said that. Well, but- well. Oh no, it's because someone did suggest someone that did. on the night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was a sensitive, she was sensitive for a medium, wasn't yeah. she? It wasn't Jane, it was one of the, the additional crew yeah. who said that they sensed there was someone in that corner. Yeah. Like you say, the camera picked it up, but there was a lot of, yeah, the boo bear. <laughs> The boo bear was going off a lot. And um, I did get a huge whiff of something, but I don't know whether that's because the... You smelled perfume, didn't you? Did you? Was it perfume? No, I didn't smell. Someone someone else said they smelled perfume. Yeah, I in sm- the bottle. I smelled the most horrendous smell, but I don't... Like sulphur? It wasn't, no. Like it was... one of my cat's trumps? <laughs> yes, like the devil's <laughs> trumps. Um, <laughs> Satan's trump. It, it just, yeah, just suddenly. Now, part of the problem with that is that down below, there's like some drainage. Yeah. Mm. So there is, so it could have been that it was just a drainage thing, but no one else smelt it. And I just, we weren't near one of the drains at that point, but it could have just wafted down maybe. But I just suddenly smelt this horrendous smell. I mean, it was like death, mm. like real disgusting, horrible smell. Wow, and then I didn't smell anything. Yeah, because do you mean I just went, oh, that's yeah. really. But then, but that was it. But I don't know whether it was just because I got a waft of a drain or something. Do you think someone but, did trump a human? Someone <laughs> did, and they thought this is perfect cover. I'm joking. Yeah. yeah. It was in a room by the brothel that I had a weird experience. Yes. And I'm not sure what room it was. It was a smaller room than the others and it had a staircase in it. And it was next to the brothel and it had it had a weird closet in it, a strangely it shaped closet that looked like it could have been a... It was like an L-shape, wasn't it? Yeah, and it could have yeah. been a toilet or something. Or, or it could or have been a, like a changing room or yeah, something. Yeah, it was oddly shaped and yeah. we were very interested in that, weren't mm. we? And this room was actually a room that Jane the medium in a previous visit to the underground arcade had been overcome by something Mm. and she became very hot, very dizzy, felt sick and she had to be carried out Mm. because the sensation was so strong. And I knew this going in. We all knew this going in, didn't we? But nothing really happened. And then Jane started to pick up a figure in the closet, didn't she? Mm. In the strange little L-shaped closet. And so she went in there. And at that point, I got 
really, really hot. Mm. Felt so dizzy. And mm. I was actually, because it was cold in there, wasn't it? It was cold. Yeah, it was cold. So yeah. I, had, I had to undo mm. my coat because I felt so dizzy and I felt sick and hot. And I had to leave because I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not a fainter, but I thought I was in a group of people and I, I'm not sure how embarrassing my reaction is going to be to this. So, you know, if I do faint, I don't want it to, I don't want to faint in front of everybody. So I just needed to get some fresh air. And that's only happened once to me before in a place called, it's Monreith House in Dumfries and Galloway, Southwest Scotland, near where my parents live. It's owned by, I can't remember who owns it now, but it used to be owned by Gavin Maxwell, who wrote the Ring of Brightwater mm-hmm. novel. He was the Lord Maxwell of that house, and it's obviously been passed down. And I can't, I think it's Sir Michael is the, the latest mm-hmm. person. Is it a Lord? Is Sir the same as a Lord? It's not, is it? No, anyway, it's definitely yeah. Sir. That's yeah. a knight, isn't it, Sir? Yeah. Or whatever. It's like a hereditary title that's been passed down. So in that house, I visited with my dad and it's a very haunted house. And he was the caretaker who's friends with my dad was showing us around and telling us about the various haunted parts of the house. And there was a staircase that was apparently haunted by one of the old ladies of the manor. And I went up that staircase and that's I had the same sensation mm-hmm. where I felt hot and dizzy and sick. And that's exactly how I felt this mm. time. And I've never, that's the only two times I've ever felt like that very suddenly mm. in two supposedly paranormal situations. Yes. And it could be that there was something weird about that room. It was smaller than the rest of the rooms, wasn't it? And it was. It, we were we were all cramped in there. And it did have a, you know, there's just a small doorway, isn't there? Yeah. But it, it was interesting that like well, nothing was happening and then picked up something in, in that closet. Yeah. And then you start to feel too hot and then the voice app when they were it just picked up i mean this is the, this is the thing i don't know whether the voice the voice app will have a a dedicated dictionary loaded to it so yeah. it, it, it's restricted to the amount of words and what the words are in there so make of it what you will but you you know there was the activity with the closet and then you didn't feel great and had to leave and then on the voice app it said go away yeah so it's like well <laughs> okay i will <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> but it happened just as because jane was obviously talking about her experience mm. which was a similar experience i'm not a medium she obviously probably experienced it on a more mm. intense level than i did but she did say it came just after she said can you affect someone in this room yes and whether it was psychological i don't know but because it only happened once before Mm. and i've been in i've been in various haunted places and Mm. that's not happened before it was just strange how it came just after she said can you affect someone in this room yeah and it was it was really cold that night yeah never mind it's january and west yorkshire and you're underground but probably wasn't much freezing outside yeah yeah. And obviously there's no heating down there. You could see your breath. Yeah. It was that kind of cold. It so. took me till the next morning to warm up. Yeah, you were really yeah. cold, weren't you? Yeah. You were you cold when we got home. Yeah, you stood in, you know, I was wrapped up and everything, but you stood out for hours on end, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. It really gets into you, doesn't it, the cold? Yeah. So it feel hot. It was very strange. Yeah. But there were lots of weird little noises going on, you know. Like mm. in that main room that we went in first, the big room... There was a strange little noise that kept mm. happening over in the corner mm. that we didn't seem to... Oh, and... We couldn't find the source of it, could we? That's true. And Lindsay put new batteries in oh, her yeah. torch 
and just couldn't get it to I mean it was working and then it wasn't working when we went down into the main room to start so she put brand new batteries um, in her torch and it still wouldn't work and then we did like the group from room to room and then we had a break and when she came back the torch was on yeah that's quite that was creepy yeah but that is a thing isn't it like uh paranormal investigators Mm -hmm. batteries and phones and things like that do get zapped by unseen energies don't they (laughs) nice (laughs) haunted house (laughs) did your husband paul experience anything hannah um no he didn't but he did he did say that the for him like the the creepiest place was the room with the rock but the the room um the laundry was it yeah the washroom the washroom the washroom sorry that seemed to have a lot of activity but yeah he he said he didn't really feel anything but that particular room yeah just felt a bit off mm. But I think Paranormal Encounters UK will do another another one. So if you just, anyone listening, if you want to keep up to date with any posts on their Instagram mm-hmm. or Facebook, um, they do have a YouTube channel. So as I said, please go and look at that. There are lots of, well, I don't know if there's lots, but I think there's quite a few paranormal groups have been down there. So if you type in Keithley Arcade into YouTube, you'll probably find quite a few. But I'll put the website to the Keithley Arcade in the source material. And if anyone wants to get in contact with them just to look around, they the guy did say, Andy said, it, it, he's bit, they're very obliging, aren't they? Yeah. He won't go down there by himself. No. <laughs> and, and he did say that on a weekend you can go during the day. And yeah. And have the lights on. Because, I mean, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, you don't have to go for paranormal reasons. They're very no. much, it's a historical so you can, attraction. You, yeah. You can go down and just... Have a nosy. I mean, the arcade itself was fascinating, wasn't it? it yeah. yeah, I want to go and have yeah. a look. There seem like some good shops in yeah. there. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's really, really nice. And I like that it got like a, a couple of like floors to it, but the ones above look really dinky and cute. So yeah, yeah. it'd be good doing that um, part of investigation upstairs as well. You know, mm. all stuff. Well, yeah. when you think of those footsteps that came from above, you yeah. think, well. You like you say, it's all like the arcade was finished in 1899. Mm, That's yeah. ages ago. Mm, so yeah, probably so. there might be stuff going on up there. Mm, a bit underground as well. That wasn't that much mm. older, was it? 50 years or It was last used in the, what do we say, 1890s? Mm. Or, or it's from the 1860s maybe or beyond. Yeah, so 1860s is when they first have records of, years before. Of, mm. of people living there, I think. Yeah. Something like that. And above the arcade, there's flats as well. So... I mean, he didn't say anything about residents um, in the flats, but I, mean, no. I wonder if they've like, well, yeah. experienced anything. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But interesting to find yeah, out. Yeah, it's a lovely old... It'd be nice to have a look at those flats, aren't mm. they? I bet they're beautiful. Big grand Victorian building, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah, Keithley Arcade. Worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I found an interesting story about Keithley. It's not paranormal related, but it's quite sweet. And it's a it's a story that you told me about last year, Martin. And it's I'm not I'm surprised it's not more famous. Well and maybe it is, I just hadn't heard of it, but have you heard of the Hindenburg Parcel? No. So I'll tell you the story <laughs> of the Hindenburg Parcel. I'm gonna read it mostly as Wikipedia have written it. So it it's an event that occurred on the twenty second of May nineteen thirty six. So the two Hindenburg class airships 
they were hydrogen-filled passenger-carrying airships. Airships? Airships. <laughs> airships. <laughs> and it's a massively iconic design, isn't it? It's like mm. a big, massive flying sausage. And they were the longest, largest flying machines ever made. It's, um, what are they called? Zeppelins? They're not called Zeppelins. Are they? Yeah. Well, they were. Yeah. yeah. So just, just, yeah. just Google Hindenburg airships and you'll know exactly what I mean. They're, they're, they're hugely identifiable, aren't they? Yeah. But they were constructed in Germany during the 1930s and named after Paul von Hindenburg. Uh, but after one of them caught fire in 19. 19- 37, causing a stream of horrific fatalities that were discontinued, weren't they? I find them very eerie. Yeah. They're just eerie. And you kind of think, how did something that vast, as if that was in the sky? Yeah. As if it was in the sky? But apparently they were in the sky. And on May 22nd, 1936, one of them crossed Yorkshire in a diversion of her normal route between the United States and Germany. And the air shape... The air shape? <laughs> what air is shape. wrong? <laughs> <laughs> the air, as the airship passed over Keithley, a parcel was dropped and it landed in Keithley High Street, where two boys named Jack Gerard and Alfred Butler... They sound like the names of famous actors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they, these two boys picked it up. And the parcel contained a bunch of carnations, a small silver and jet crucifix, some postage stamps, a picture postcard, and some Hindenburg notepaper. And the note was written by German priest and missionary John P. Schultz, who called himself the first flying priest. So obviously he was a priest. Mm. He was flying above Keithley in a Hindenburg airship and chucked this parcel out and it landed in Keithley High Street. And the note inside this parcel requested that the carnations and crucifix be placed on the grave of his brother, Lieutenant Franz Schult, who died of the Spanish flu during the deadly influenza. <laughs> influenza? <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't want that. The deadly influenza pandemic of 1918. As a prisoner of war at Rakeswood Prisoner of War Camp Skipton. Oh which was originally built as a training camp for the Bradford Pals, who were a West Yorkshire regiment in 1915. But apparently that's where his brother was. And at the time, Schultz was buried at Morton Cemetery, two miles east of Keithley, though the letter said he was buried at Skipton, which was incorrect. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was buried there, so he'd kind of got the location sort of right, enough for someone to put two and two together and realise where this person was buried. But the letter read, To the finder of this letter... Please deposit these flowers and the cross on the grave of my dear brother, Lieutenant Franz Schultz, prisoner of war in Skipton Cemetery in Keithley, near Leeds. So Keithley is about 25 miles from Leeds, but it's kind of near. Yeah. <laughs> Many thanks for your kindness, John P. Schultz, the first flying priest. NB, please accept the stamps and picture as a small souvenir from me. God bless you. Lovely. But the carnations were placed on the grave and the two boys kept the postage stamps and the postcard and the crucifix was placed in St Anne's Church to avoid it from being stolen. That's such a lovely story. That is a lovely story. (laughs) (laughs) Is the grave still there, do you know? I don't know. Because the cemetery's still, I'm sure I had a look on um, Street View just to see. Martin Cemetery. If you go on the back road instead of the bypass from Keithley to Bingley, mm. there's a road that goes past the cemetery, I'm nearly sure. And it's still there, like a really old 
Well, I don't know if the graves still. I'm presuming the graves still. Let's go and find it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should put some carnations on it. Yeah. Should we do that? That'd yeah. be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, there's, a, there's a photograph as well of Zeppelin, the airship above Keith. Oh, really? Yeah. So have a look. There's some. I don't like this video footage, but yeah, I'm sure there's a photograph. Well, I'll find it and put it on social media. Which is media. really strange, like seeing that. Yeah. And I imagine even more so back then. In the I mean, 30s. It, it would just look like. A spaceship. Yeah. I can't imagine it. Imagine. Yeah. It's something out of War of the Worlds or something. Yeah, like. exactly, yeah. It's just, I just find it so hard to believe they existed. It's and I don't much. really know why. I just can't get it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just... <laughs> I don't yeah. need to. <laughs> it's very steampunk, isn't it? Yeah. Like a fantasy yeah. world. Like mm. mortal engines or something like that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, Keithley's cool, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. This has been quite a long podcast. Been fun, though. Visit Keithley. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking as well on the way in, sorry, it's not Keithley related, but I was thinking, surely Salt's Mill has got some activity and stuff. Salt's Mill? Yeah. Do you not think? In Saltaire? In Saltaire, yeah. You can buy... Oh, sorry, that was what my was hands. That? <laughs> that was my hands. Hannah just squished her hands together and made a... A childhood fart sound. Well, I, I work with Hannah, and last week we were talking about... I've never been able... I've never tried. You know the armpit thing when you're a kid that people do, where you put your hand under your armpit yeah. and make your armpit fart? Yeah. Well, you were saying you used to be able to do that. Yeah. Because you once asked... <laughs> Hannah's got an interesting story about well armpit farts. I used to be very good at doing armpit farts as a small child. <laughs> But that's because I watched it on... Uh, I'm, I'm very old, by the way, so um, apologies to listeners who don't know what the hell I'm talking You're about. You're not very old. No, I am, but there used to be a TV show called... Uh, well, I think it was called... Oh, I don't even remember the full name. But anyway, it was Russ Abbott. There was a comedian called Russ Abbott, and he used to have a TV I, show. Lots of people know who Russ okay. Abbott is. Okay, so I'm very old then. Okay. I, I used to watch... Russ Abbott. Okay. So Russ Abbott used to do the armpit fart noise quite a bit. And obviously as a small child, I thought that was hilarious. So I used to do that a lot. So I wrote to Jim Will Fix It to go on the Russ Abbott show and do armpit farts with Russ Abbott. Needless to say, it never happened. But then another friend said, well, probably that's because... You wrote to one TV show to go on another TV show, <laughs> which is a fair point, but uh, yeah. So I can't do that, but I can do the, <laughs> I can do the hand fart. Oh, I can do it a little bit. Martin, you do it. Put your hands to the mic. I can't do it. But I did, uh, but this, <laughs> yeah, because I hadn't, I just put my hands together and I did a little... Yeah. Cheeky little so squeaker. So you well, say. Well, so I say, you know. But aren't you glad that you didn't get on Jim or fix it? Very. In, in hindsight, I mean, thank the heavens. Thank the heavens, the Lord Protector Russ Abbott <laughs> stepped in and went, no. <laughs> but I can't do it anymore. Oh, we asked our friend Drew if he could do yeah. it, and he can't do it. He can't, he do, can't it. do it anymore. So it must be a childhood thing you're able to do. Maybe your armpits are the right ratio. Maybe, but that's kind. Of, but then I thought about that, and I only did it because Russ Abbott did it. So maybe Russ Abbott's got a child's armpit. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Russ anyway. Abbott's child armpits. Another good yeah. album title. <laughs> yeah. On that note, shall we go? Yeah. 
Thanks for having me again. No, thanks for coming. Mm, yeah, Come on again. Thanks for coming on the Frankenstein's Monster episode. The ki- Echoey Kitchen Frankenstein's Monster episode. I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, good. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone, and for letting us inject a bit of Keithley's soul into your day. I hope you found these ghosts to be good ones and that you were suitably entertained by them. Long live Keithley and all who haunt her, and may her power forever compel you to never presume that you shouldn't get yourself down the underground arcade and do an armpit fart. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Bye. Did it because Russ Abbott did it, so maybe Russ Abbott's got a child's armpit.